0: Well, good morning. The struggle. The struggle is real, but so is God. Uh, my name is Mike Foster. Uh, I am going to be talking this morning to you about a, a really important topic uh, about overcoming addiction. What does that mean? What does that look like? What is addiction about? But let me uh, share a little bit about myself. I am uh, spend my Mondays through Fridays uh, holding space for people as a counselor, listening to stories of struggle, of challenge, of trauma, of addiction. I'm an author. I'm a speaker. I have a popular podcast called Fun Therapy. And uh, my my mission in life is just to help people build strong lives and build really strong relationships and uh, really just be with people in their pain and their confusion, and when they're carrying their shame and the self-judgment, that I, I like to kind of think of myself as a, a grace-flavored snow cone on a hot judgmental day, right? <laughs> That's what I want to be. So uh, my wife and I of 27 years uh, live in San Diego, and one of our favorite things to do in San Diego is in the evening time go down to the coast, and watch the sunset. We, we, we have some good sunsets. Now, Lynn was telling me that apparently Arizona has great beaches, just no ocean. Apparently that's the way it works out here in Arizona. But we have great beaches and the ocean and great sunsets. And this evening that we went down to the beach uh, to watch the sunset, it was, we have some good ones, but this was a great one. The sky was just lit uh blues and purples and pinks and yellows. It was gorgeous. And so everybody just got out their phones and taking tons of pictures of this. And uh, I'm sure we're going to post it on Instagram because, listen, friends, if it's not on Instagram, that sunset did not happen. Okay, that's the way the world works. And as we're all taking these pictures, getting video uh pictures, what have you, I noticed this. Woman, kind of about 10 feet away from me, who was doing something a little different than the rest of us. While we were taking a picture of the gorgeous sunset, she was facing a completely different direction. You know, the the sunset was setting in the west, she's facing north, and she's taking a photo literally of of darkness, of nothing. I mean, there's a little bit of stuff out in the sky, but all the action was over here. And she was facing over here. And that was a problem, in my opinion. Because she was missing out on the beauty and the gloriousness and the majesty of the sunset that was right here. And I think that happens a lot in our lives, especially through the power of addiction, The enemy says, look over here, pursue these things. Go over here into the darkness when God is saying, hey, the light is over here. The glory, the joy, the peace that you've been seeking, the the love that you've been wanting, the security that, that you have so desired for your life, it's over here with me. And yet the enemy says, no, no, no. Come on over here. I got, I got some solutions. I got some ideas I want to share with you. And unfortunately, too often in our lives, we get drawn. We get drawn over here to the darkness instead of setting our intention, our eyes, our, our, our energy over here facing the sun. See, the Bible is very clear about the darkness and the light. It says this in John 10: the thief comes only. To steal and kill and destroy. I think that's pretty clear. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Facing the sunset, God is drawing us to Him. He says, I've got a plan for you. I've got a purpose for you. I've got everything that you need to deal with your challenges, your failures, your pain, your trauma, the the stuff from your past, the emotions that you don't know what to deal with. He says, I have an answer for that. But the then he says, no, no, let's try something different over here. And that is the draw and the power of addiction. We run over to the darkness. Now there's lots of different definitions of what addiction is and lots of different ideas. There's sort of clinical definitions of addiction and there's, there's sort of cliche definitions about addiction. But let me give you my definition of addiction. I just kind of sum it all up for you to help kind of bring it to a, to a, a, a simple little nugget. But basically this, addiction is a solution to escape emotional pain that only creates more pain. See, the reality is God created you and me to be feeling beings, right? He gave us emotions. We feel good emotions, joy, love, happiness, but we also feel negative emotions like sadness and grief and stress and anxiety. We feel the emotions from our messy divorce. We feel the anger from, from the abuse that you suffered as, as a child. We feel those emotions and we, we are seeking to, to numb those emotions and to help those emotions and not feel those emotions. And so we, we seek out something, a, a solution to deal with everything that you and I are feeling inside creating this addiction, creating this addictive behavior. And the other thing about addictive behavior is that we keep going back over and over and over again to something that doesn't actually solve the problem. And so you take your pain and you take your brokenness and you think this is a good solution. And I understand that because in some ways, let's be very, very honest with this. There's many things that will numb and medicate and feel good for a moment, but it doesn't solve the problem. See, and there's all kinds of different addictions, right? We probably know about the big ones, drugs, alcohol, sex, pornography. What about the little, littler ones? are still addictive, shopping, Facebook, Oh, I don't mean to make anybody comfortable, uncomfortable here. Don't you be touching my Facebook, Mike Foster. Don't you dare. I can, I can live without Facebook for at least you know, 20 to 25 minutes before I have to check it again. Right. Now, my big thing is Instagram. Okay, I love Instagram. I love, love me some posts and love me some Instagram stories. And uh, by the way, Mike Foster 2000, if you're interested in following me, right? Okay. So I, I love me some Instagram and I was doing this little experiment. I'm like, okay, uh, I really spend way too much time on Instagram uh, is there a way to kind of spend less time on Instagram? So I started to set some boundaries. And one of the, the boundaries that I set was that I will not check social media or Instagram in the morning as soon as I wake up. Because my pattern is probably like your pattern. We wake up in the morning. Our cell phone is there on the, the, the nightstand. We pick it up and we start scrolling, doom scrolling, finding find all the things that are wrong in the world, finding all this stuff about our friends and gossip and, and inspiration and all of it. And I'm like, I don't want to do that anymore and so I tried for one day (laughs) didn't go well no (laughs) like Mike come on you're 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 stronger than this you talk about addiction you you know the 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 implications of just returning to something you know for for the sake of something and not like choosing a higher path here you know better come on and then I'm like okay day two I failed again (laughs) Come on, Mike. And then day three, I was successful. But it was hard, right? The draw. Come look over here into the darkness. Come take a photo over here. Come come be a part of this instead of facing God's amazing, glorious plan to deal with our pain, dealing with our stuff. Here's three truths I know about addiction. Number one, a hurt is at the center of all addictive behaviors, It's a pain, something that hurts inside of you. And so all you're trying to do is solve that problem. So hurt is at the center of all addictive behaviors. Number two, addiction is a response to human suffering. See, we take our, instead of taking our suffering to the one who can truly heal us, we take our suffering to some other solution. And say, "Give me a temporary fix. Give me a temporary solution. Just anything, so I don't have to feel this way anymore." You know, so often I, when I'm speaking to audiences or training therapists or helping families, kind of understand uh, why why addicts do what they do. I always encourage them: don't ask why the addiction ask why the pain why what is the hurt that is driving the behavior it's much more important because that is what is at the wheel taking that life off into a ditch it's simply somebody trying to deal with stuff that is just too overwhelming too painful and the reality is many of you in this audience right now have stories that we couldn't even imagine if you told it to us. The hurt, the pain, the challenges that you have faced, and all you're looking for is relief. You know, one of the things that uh, is also very true is that, that behind most addictions, you will find unresolved Trauma. To have a lot of compassion and empathy for people who are in addictive behaviors just trying to solve that problem because there's usually childhood trauma. Some pretty dark things that have caused just a disturbance and and like an atomic bomb going off in their stories and they're just trying to put the pieces back together. They're just trying to get over that trauma. You know, my story, uh, you know, early on in my childhood, I, I, I I was a victim of sexual abuse and I, and I know the implications of any type of abuse that happens in our lives. Verbal abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse. These, these leave imprints in our hearts and on our souls. And all we're trying to do is figure this out to make it stop hurting so let me challenge you, as, as a Christian community, one of the, the most graceful things that we can do, one of the most Jesus-oriented things that we can do is stop judging addicts and start figuring out ways to help them in their pain, right? That this is a community where we say and do that, we talk about these things. This is a safe place. You know, I, I, I love, I, I've only been here like this morning, right? And I already have, so in love with this church because I know you guys, I sense this is a grace place. I love that tomorrow night this church is kicking off Celebrate Recovery at 6 p.m. So be there. Because we're done judging addicts and we're done judging people and shaming people and asking why do they do that or why does she do that? And we're saying like, just come, come back to the light. Come back home. Come back to Jesus. He's got an answer for you. See, the cure, the cure for addiction is not sobriety, it's connection, right? So you're like, well, just stop drinking, stop doing the drugs, stop looking at pornography, whatever the stop, stop, stops are, okay? But that is not the cure for any, an addiction. A, a, the cure for an addiction is connection, relationship. That's where we head, that's where we go to help deal with the pain that we feel. And the first connection that we gotta make, number one, connection to God, right? Let's start there. We turn our lives from darkness and we face the sun. We face the light. God says, let me handle this. Let me help you, let me heal your heart. Let me soothe your soul, our connection to God is so key and so important. And so as you think about this idea of, of, of addiction and, and what is it, why do, we, why do we go to these things instead of uh, go to God? Because ultimately the etymology or the root word of addict simply means to attach. And so we just simply need to attach to something, and so we'll attach to drugs, we'll attach to sex, we'll attach to, to approval, we'll attach to something just so we can feel attached. But God says, hey, I want connection with you. I'm, I want you to attach to me, not that. See, the entire Bible, and I've read the entire Bible. Thank you very much. It took me a long time, I'm a slow reader. But I read the entire Bible, and the entire Bible is the story of God pursuing you and I. That's it. It's a love story. Come be in relationship with me. I got something good for you. entire Bible. It's about God pursuing you. And yet so often we're like, no, God, not me. Not, not my shame. Not my addictions. Not my problems. Not my stress. Not my anxiety. Yeah, I, 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 you don't want that. And God say, yes, I do. That's why I wrote the Bible, right? That's why, that's why I sent Jesus, because I want relationship with you. See in Genesis three, we see this: At the very beginning, it's a pursuit of you, God pursuing connection with you. Then the man said this in Genesis 3:8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. You know, Adam and Eve did all the wrong things with the trees, right? Uh, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So they hide. They go to the darkness. Maybe he won't find us over here, but the Lord called to the man, where are you? It's a constant pursuit of you. He wants connection with you. So let's not trade that connection in for sloppy seconds over here. So we're connecting to God. You know, there's uh, uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks have a farm team and And a couple years ago, there was a player named Jeremy Brown, and Jeremy was a big guy, really strong guy, but he could not run very well, not very nimble on his feet. And so Jeremy gets up to the plate, and the pitcher throws a pitch, fastball down the center of the plate, and Jeremy swings, and he hits the ball, and he, he hits it really well the ball goes flying and Jeremy starts running down to first base. And as he's running down the first base, he's thinking, okay, I think I, think I hit that ball well enough to, to stretch this out into a double. And so he starts, which he probably shouldn't have done, but he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn on the juice here. And he starts rounding first base and he trips on first base and he trips and he stumbles and he falls flat on his face. And now he's between second base and first base. And if you know anything about baseball, this is a bad thing, okay? <laughs> and so Jeremy starts crawling on his stomach back to first base, hoping that nobody tags him out and he reaches for first base. And he's like, oh, good. I'm safe now. It's all good. And then the... Uh, first baseman of the other team he he gets down on his knees down to jeremy he says hey jeremy jeremy keep running keep running jeremy you hit a home run (laughs) you see jeremy had hit that ball so well that he hit it 10 feet over the back fence so he gets up, he brushes himself off, he starts jogging around the plate. And I think for a lot of us, we're, we're doing what Jeremy's doing. We don't realize we've hit a home run. We don't realize that when we're with, connected to God, we got it. We're good. We know that whatever challenge, whatever heartbreak, whatever thing happens in our life, when we're connected to him, we're good. We got, it, we got a home run. And yet so often we're groveling on our stomachs back just trying to make life work and cobble some sort of life out of these little pieces of brokenness. And we then turn to our addictions. We turn to the darkness. And God just say, come on, come back. Come back to me. I hope you know you've won. I hope you know today you're loved. I hope you know today you're pursued. I hope you know today that whatever your sin is, whatever your brokenness is, whatever your pain is, whatever your trauma is, whatever messiness you have in your story, you, you've won if you're connected to God. That's, that's what I believe, that's what I know. And sometimes, you know, people, I, I just want to like put my hands on people's shoulders, like look them in the eye and just like don't you know who you are? You hit a home run, start living that way. Facing the light, facing the sun. Number two, we gotta be connected to others. Friends, we can't do this journey on our own. Again, second plug for Celebrate Recovery because you can't hear enough about this this morning. The whole point of Celebrate Recovery is for us to carry each other's burdens. To be able to talk about the things that feel impossible to talk about. And listen, they're not gonna force you to do anything. They're just there to support and love and hold space. And we can, be, we can begin these conversations with very simple simple little phrases like this. I need help. You know, one of the most powerful things that we can say to each other in terms of our stories and our struggles are these two words, most powerful two words, me too, Right? That's why we're doing Celebrate Recovery. So we can say the words me too and then figure out how we get more connected to God and grace and love and get this shame off of us. You know, this, the thing that just bugs the snot out of me in terms of our society around addiction and our trauma and people's behaviors that we don't agree with, it's like all this shame on you, right? That's our society's response to this stuff. And Jesus is just saying, hold on shame off of you. I want to get that off of you. And he gets it off of us by us helping each other, caring for each other, not judging one another, but giving grace to one another. Galatians 6 is very clear. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. That's what I want to do. That's the kind of community, faith community I want to be a part of. I invite you to connect in the community. You can't do this alone. When well, I'm talking with addicts and people who are struggling with addiction, one of the things that they always want to do is they want to control who knows what, right? They want to control the story. They want to control the secret. They'll, they'll say to me, Don't tell anybody. And obviously, I'm, I'm held, holding a confidential space when I'm working with people, but it's like they want to control who knows and, wh- and who's involved. And, and that is the worst possible plan because true freedom comes through community. Now, safe community, okay, but, but we've got to open up to the light. We can't keep it in the darkness. So connecting to God, connecting to others, and then connecting to ourselves. You know, one of the, the main reasons why we turn to addictive behaviors is because we've just been ignoring the, the deeper things of who you are. You've been de- denying your pain you've been denying your hurt. You've been denying your history. And so you're just like, I'm gonna stuff it down. I'm not gonna feel it. I'm not gonna deal with it. But here's what, here's what I know about our emotions. They look like this. So here's, let's just say this is a flame. I'm gonna get really fancy with you, Corn. So I'm gonna do this like, look at that. These are like extra colors. And I'm, I'm new at this, but I think I'm doing pretty good so far. Um, so this is our emotion, right? And it's, it's got like this hot flame and, and it's burning over here. And what, what's supposed to do is emotion is supposed to come inside of us into our, our, our being, right? We experience something happens and then we, we deal with it, we process it by talking about it through therapy, through Celebrate Recovery, through prayer, through exercise, all different ways to process our emotions, right? And it's supposed to leave. But, but too often it, it looks like this. We have our same flame, right? And it comes into us and it gets stuck, right? We bury it. We deny it. And what happens if you leave a, a flame, keep burning in the same place, it's, it's going to burn the whole thing down. And that's basically what a lot of us have done with our lives, our internal lives, with our emotions, is we've allowed the the pain and the grief and the sadness, the loneliness, we've allowed the anger to burn it all down because we haven't processed it. We've denied it, we've blocked it, we pretended it wasn't there. And so we've got to get it out. We've got to get it out, otherwise, it burns the whole place down. One of the things that's really important to remember is that you are not your feelings. You simply experience them. Sometimes we we over-identify with our feelings. They become, see, I'm depressed. I'm sad. No, no, no. You are experiencing depression. You are experiencing sadness. Big difference. We are not our feelings, but we are meant to feel them, let them pass through us. Secondly, the, th- the thing about feelings is simply that we've got to make sure that, um, uh, you know, we understand why we, we struggle so much with them. And most of us struggle with, with our emotions because for most of our lives, we, we've been shamed for actually feeling them. And I want to just encourage you, feel whatever you need to feel. Start opening up your heart. To the, the feelings. Otherwise, you're going to keep going back to the addictive behaviors to keep numbing, to keep suppressing. I was talking to a, to a client this week, a really successful woman, and uh, she's under a lot of stress at work. And one of the things that she was, you know, kind of opened up to me about is that her uh, number of glasses of wine. Uh, over the past few months has been increasing from two to three, from three to four. And we know why that's happening. I mean, she said, my stress, I, I don't know what to do with my stress. I don't know what to do with all this, this worry and anxiety. And so I just, I'm just adding alcohol to suppress it. I want to encourage each and every one of you like, get comfortable with your feelings. Figure out what you need to do to discharge those feelings. Name what you're actually feeling. One of the things that I believe is that if you don't feel your feelings, they're just going to keep getting stronger and stronger and stronger until they are finally dealt with. See, emotions are designed to create strong incentives for us to take action and to do something. Our feelings are there to try to help us. You see, you feel anger. You feel anger because a violation has happened. injustice has happened. And so that anger is trying to get you to do something positive about it. It's not meant to stay. But if it stays, you're going to keep drinking it to numb it. You're going to keep doing pornography to numb it. You're going to keep doing shopping and retail therapy and four glasses of wine to numb it. Whatever your drug of choice is, instead of listening to that anger and saying, let me take a positive step. Let me do something uh, that will help move my life forward. I, uh, one of my favorite, favorite stories, I'll close with this, is the story of Elizabeth Henson. And Elizabeth Henson was doing some spring cleaning. And she went in her closet and was pulling out different garments and jackets and shirts and stuff that, that she hadn't worn for years. And she said, I'm getting rid of this. And so she's taking this big pile of clothes out to throw away because it was so bad and so ugly, she wouldn't even give it to Goodwill, right? And so she's taking this stuff out. And her son stops her and says, hey, Mom, Mom, can I have that green jacket? And Elizabeth Henson looks at her son, and she's like "Karen, this is old thing of clothes and this green jacket on top and the green jacket was frayed. It smelled bad. It had holes in it and it was dirty and and stained. And and she's like, well, I guess if you want it, you can have it. And so Elizabeth Henson hands her uh, son this green jacket, felt jacket, and he takes uh, the jacket into his workshop and he gets out a pair of scissors and he starts cutting out this little frog body. And then... Elizabeth Henson's son got a ping pong ball and cut the ping pong ball in half to make two little eyeballs for this little frog body. And Elizabeth Henson's son was named Jim. And Jim Henson was creating the very first Kermit the Frog out of this old green jacket that was about to be thrown away. You see, friends, you may look at your life and you may look at your your past and your history and your addictions, and your failures, and your mistakes, and you just think, oh my gosh, do I have a green jacket or what? And God is saying, you know what? Give it to me, because I can do something with that. He's gonna turn your, your story of suffering into a story of survival. He's gonna turn your story of shame into a story of love and grace and overcoming. He's going to take that, that green jacket that represents all the trauma from your childhood and all the stuff that you're too afraid to talk about. He's going to take that green jacket. And he's going to turn it into something really, really wonderful for you. But we got to face the sun. We got to face the beauty. We got to face the story of connection that, that God is trying to bring you into. Connecting to him and his love. Connecting to Jesus. Connecting to to all the good things that are over here in the light instead of running to the darkness to solve our problems. Friends, give him your green jacket this morning. That's all he wants. And let's get started. Let's bow our heads in prayer. God, thank you so much for who you are, for your grace, your love, for taking our shame and our brokenness and helping to heal our hearts. God, we run to you. We release the things that we've been trying to figure out and fix and doing just a horrible job at. God, we surrender it to you this morning. Take our green coats, heal our lives and bring your radical grace this morning. It's in your son's name we pray and all of God's people said, amen. Thanks for letting me be with you.
1: Okay, so I know this is the part of the service where we jump up, we run out, because we gotta beat all the other Christians the chilies. So I'm gonna ask us to do something a little bit different today that I believe is gonna be super powerful in the life of our church. So when you came in, we tried to hand you a piece of paper. If you did not get a piece of paper, raise your hand real quick. I think you're probably gonna want one, and we'll pass these out. Here's what I'm gonna ask us to consider doing in just a moment. I'm going to ask us to consider if you've been someone who's been struggling with an addiction, that today uh, you can either write just a word on that piece of paper, what it is. If you don't feel comfortable doing that, that's okay. And then as the worship team plays, we're going to invite you to leave your seat, come forward or back. We've got bins of water. This paper is designed to dissolve in water that that moment would be you saying, hey, I'm gonna surrender this to God, and I'm gonna ask God to do something so that this is no longer something that binds and controls my life, dissolves. And I I wish I could tell you that if you uh, do that, that you'll never be tempted again, that you'll never have that desire, I can't. Matter of fact, it's interesting in scripture because Paul has a struggle. He calls it a thorn in his flesh and he talks about how three times he went to God and said, God, would you just take this thorn out of my life? To which God finally responded to him and said, I'm not going to because that struggle, that thing that's in your life every day reminds you that you have to depend on me and you're not strong enough by yourself. And more than that, as people watch you surrender that part of your life to me, They see my power working in your life and it's used to my glory. Let me read you that passage real quick. It's in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12. It's verse eight. Paul says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient and my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardship, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to consider, and if you say, hey, I've got an addiction, I've struggled, I'm just gonna surrender to God. But I think it goes even further, because some of us in this room would say, you know, Lynn, I don't know that I have an addiction, but I do have a sin. I have a sin that every time I think I've gotten the best of it and put it out of my life, it seems to come back into my life again. And then I think I've beat it and it tends to come back. And if you've had a long time struggle with a particular sin, it could be gossip, it could be uh, deception, and lo- whatever that is. How powerful would it be today if you came forward, dropped that paper and said, I'm just surrendering this part of my life to God. I'm, I'm done with this and I'm asking God to give me the strength to overcome. So here's what I wanna ask us to do. I wanna ask us to stand where we're at. Uh, If you come forward, I'm asking you to go back to your seat again. We're gonna stay in the room. It's gonna be a powerful worship moment. If you're here and you go, Lynn, I don't have anything to surrender, that's great. Would you pray for us to have courage? Would you pray for those in the room who need to come forward, that they would resolve in their hearts, I'm gonna do this today. Uh, for my Lord Jesus. Let's pray real quick. Hey, dear Lord Jesus, be with us in this moment. God, there are lives in this room that the enemy has placed in chains. Bad choices have placed in chains. And God, we know that you have the power to come alongside and remove those addictions, remove those habits, remove those repetitive sins in our life to show your power, not only to us, but to a world that's watching. God, may we have the courage today to surrender. In this I pray in Jesus' name, amen.
2: He's not done until
1: Good news even so for those
3: to try things. to put our hope in him that's what psalm 33 verse 22 says it says may your unfailing love be with us Lord, even as for putting our hope in you that's good news for us and what we talked about today can be hard and weary and i want to invite us into a time of prayer really briefly if you are someone who is struggling with addiction we want to pray with you and if you are someone who loves someone who's struggling with addiction, we wanna pray together. So pray with me briefly. Uh, For those of us who are in a season of struggling with addiction, we pray this. We pray, Lord, we confess. We simply tell you the truth, that this is hard, that we're stuck, that we need your help. Would you need us? Pray that to Jesus. For those of us right now, I wanna lead us in a time of prayer who have someone we love who's wrestling with addiction. We pray this and say, Lord, we confess. We tell the truth that our hearts are weary. (laughs) This is hard. We don't know if we can go on. We don't know what to do, but we want it to be different. We're angry, we're sad, we're confused. We don't know. We ask that you would draw near to us and you would lead us through like you say. And Father, we place our loved one who is wrestling in your hands. Remind them of your love today. We want to let you know you're not alone. Our church would love to continue to pray with you and pray for you. You can text the word prayer to 21999 and a real person will really reach out to you and pray with you and and just walk with you in this season. Um, If you want to text the word support to 21999, that will get you the links to some of our pastoral counseling or some of the resources in our community or even books and podcasts that can help you on this journey. But here's what we know. God will never leave us or forsake us. Let's look to him even though we take it day by day. We'll see you next time.